0: Coming to you live from the new office in Miniola. That is a small Spanish hello to you, a Mini-Ola. Yo, why don't you do the intro? I'm not going to do that.
1: everybody welcome back to the hauntsville Cryptcast. i'm anthony i'm doza i'm anna and today we're here with brendan steer director of the Velocipaster.
2: it is i i i have appeared hello everybody <laughs> from <laughs> nice the to mist meet you. yes yeah i have descended from my mount and you know am, am <laughs> finally amongst real people again which i am happy about
1: thank you so much for joining us here today we're super excited to talk about this movie for those of you who don't know, The Velocipasture is now available on DVD and most streaming platforms. Yeah, Brendan but who the
0: fuck doesn't know? This is, like, the only movie that,
1: like, any of my friends are talking about. I know. Right? I've <laughs> seen so much publicity for this movie, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, like, I actually know Brendan, but this is, like, bloody disgusting, and, like, everyone is talking about this movie. It's very, I think you mentioned it to me, like,
3: a couple of years ago as, like, oh, my friend did this trailer once, and it was hilarious, and you showed it to me. And then, like, two years later, it was everywhere. It's just yeah. crazy so, how it's gone from a trailer to a full-blown movie.
1: I haven't stopped raving about this since college. <laughs> uh, I've been excited about this from the beginning. Brendan and I both attended the School of Visual Arts together, uh, where we started film. And if I'm not mistaken, that is when The Velocipaster originated, right?
2: Yeah, correct. It was definitely a... I did it as a school project. I, I, I just did the original trailer. Honestly, the, the fun of it to me was, um, you know, we shot on 16 millimeter and everything. So physically interacting with the film in that initial trailer, that was like kind of the appeal of it. You know, I buried the film in the ground. I put the film in the oven all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and like, it was fun. That, that was the fun of it to me, though, it was like, I, I didn't know if it was just going to come back and be completely unsalvageable or what. So, uh, it turned out not to be, it turned out to make it look dope. So, uh, yeah, it, the uh, when the initial trailer caught on, it was just uh, I think it was inevitable in some ways that I would make the full version after that because once no. you discover there's an audience for it, you're like, you just start getting more velocipaster
0: ideas, let me tell you. So, <laughs> so yeah, so the the process of like uh, of burying the film and putting that in the oven is that something that like you? you've heard about or learned about in school? I had never heard of that or just like, were you hoping for the best and like, hey, maybe this will do something?
2: Yeah. Um. So I had seen a couple of tests of it. And I don't know, I'm I'm a fan of a lot of weird experimental filmmakers, uh, people like Stan Brackage, people like, you know, like him, that will <laughs> physically interact with their film. And I just thought it was cool. It was like, I'm in film school. If there's a time to try this, on the off chance it doesn't work, it's like now is the time. There's nothing at stake, so yeah, I you got all that safety there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it was the kind of thing that, like, let's say hypothetically, I did that, I put the film in the oven, and it came out, and it was just black, like there was no information <laughs> on it. That's okay. At the end of the day, it's like, oops, you missed a project. Your grade will be a C plus. It's it's like there's no real. Like danger and that's just different from when you get out into the real world where it's like every film you make needs to kind of count it doesn't need to be you know the thing that's gonna launch you into the stratosphere or whatever but it needs to be something a step you are taking to do a thing (laughs) and uh you don't have that problem in film school you can just fuck around so i did that and (laughs) i had done some research on what it would do to the film and uh it it definitely ages it it makes it look older it's something in in like the the contrasts and it darkens the 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 blacks in the image and makes it a little grainier so it was perfect for for what i wanted to do
1: yeah absolutely definitely caught that gritty 70s vibe it's an experience to just sit down and watch the original trailer if you haven't sat down and watched the original trailer i highly recommend it it's an awesome time, and it just really paves the way for everything that this film has become since then. But at the same time, it doesn't even scratch the surface of everything that happens in this, what is it, an hour and a
2: half? Yeah, uh, It's 72 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we, we cram a lot into those 72 minutes. One of my mission statements was that if people are bored, then we've failed. <laughs> it's Not the only for thing. for a second. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I was like... You're coming out the gate swinging when you're making a movie called Velocipaster, and if you don't deliver on some part of that promise, I think that people will understandably be disappointed and not <laughs> like it. So I, I was kind of like, we just got to do, do things. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, as long as they are fun and engaging things, I don't think people will mind. So yeah, that was part of
1: the ethos for it. Yeah, the whole time we're sitting there, we're nudging each other. We're like, oh, my God, like, is this really happening right now? Like, is this what we're leading up to? And then, like, I keep saying, like, but there are so many twists in it. Like, you're telling one story, and then that story ties into another, ties into another. <laughs> this yeah. whole It's this whole genre-bending world of horror, comedy, kung fu, uh, uh, crime drama.
3: School movies.
1: What? Yep, yep.
0: War
3: movies. Yeah. <laughs> like 70s ninja films with war flashbacks and like this grindhouse-esque thing, bringing it all together. It's it, it's amazing that you managed to just, I don't know how you took a trailer, because that is like a grindhouse thing to do. They'll make these mm-hmm. fake trailers and then they're like, oh, actually, this would work. That's what they did with uh, Machete. They mm-hmm. just made it as a fake trailer to go on Planet Terror. And then they just were like, oh, everyone thinks this is really cool. Let's make a whole movie out of this. Yeah, Danny and... Trejo hasn't
0: done anything in a while. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he does everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he has a restaurant. <laughs>
3: like, really? Does he really?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh maybe. I guess it's just an L.A. thing. Um, It's called Trejo's Cantina. And yeah. I can tell you, it's good. It's, like, really <laughs> good. I went there without very high expectations, and I will recommend the chili it's amazing (laughs) worth it
1: so also on that note of you being in la now you are in la now you were in germany before then correct um and pennsylvania before that correct uh yeah so where exactly is velocipaster shot all right
2: we filmed it um (laughs) mostly in pennsylvania I'd say like 80, 85% of the film is in the Pocono's in the northeast of PA. Um there's a little bit of stuff that is in New York City. Uh and that's just some of the on the street stuff. Um and Carol's apartment is is in um one of, one of those New Jersey suburbs. It was my brother's apartment. So, yeah, most of it uh we just shot in the middle of the country in PA where uh, I also shot animosity. It's just a really comfortable place to film. And uh, people just are genuinely excited when you're there. And for something that I knew was going to be so low budget and so scrappy of a production, I I knew that the last thing we needed was to you know, be wrangling with location fees and and all of that kind of stuff. So very early on, I made the decision that we were going to shoot it in in the middle of nowhere because uh, people would just sort of rally. I, my hope was that people would rally behind it, and that's what happened. Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of uh, uh, one of my pieces to advice to low, no-budget filmmakers is shoot where other people don't because people are generally much more excited that you're there, as opposed to thinking that it's like an inconvenience or, you know, something they have to deal with. It'll be like, oh, you're shooting a movie? And it's like, everybody (laughs) wins. It's like, it's good for everyone. So yeah, so uh, PA, that's the answer.
1: That's awesome. And uh, we, of course, because I needed to own a hard copy of this, I've got a hard copy of Animosity. We watched the special features at the end of Velocipaster, (laughs) and we watched your interview at Texas Frightmare yeah yeah and uh they were mentioning your connection to the church now mm-hmm. it's pretty touch and go when you're mentioning something as big as the catholic church in your film and yeah. uh VelociPastor pastor handles it in a way that is both respectful but also still carries all the greediness of a grindhouse film how did you end up at the ch- church you guys ended up at
2: at the church we shot at yes yeah, our, our AD was a member of the congregation. <laughs> uh, and so he just asked. And sure enough, they were the coolest, sweetest people in the world. They Like, of course, we told them what the movie was, and we thought it was going to be a hard sell to get churches to participate. And what, what I have discovered throughout the course of this film is that we have a big periphery audience of cool priests who are just really <laughs> into the material and are... I think what part of it is, quite frankly, is that they, I portray the priests as people. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's silly and it's grindhousy and and it's all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, the joke of the movie isn't that Doug is religious. It's like, that's yeah. a part of it. And yeah, we, there's some things we poke fun at that. It's just the uncomfortable marriage of, of, of the two. It's the whole selling point of the movie. There's funny stuff about that. But at the end of the day, I'm not... I very consciously I was n I didn't want to be like, yo, you, your stuff's stupid, bruh. It's like, no, I don't I don't I don't have any beef with organized religion. It's just a fun <laughs> title. Uh and so Yeah, they, they were uh they were totally cool. Uh Doug's room is in the church as well. Uh we they let us use a storage room and we completely redressed it. Wow. They were so cool. I don't I don't even think I think we did end up giving them a donation or something, but it was, they didn't ask for it. It, it was like literally a, Hey, thanks for letting us shoot our dinosaur movie in your church.
1: Yeah. And, that's like, just one great. more step in that people being
2: enthusiastic about film coming into their location. Exactly. They, they were just excited to be there. And like I said, I, I, I worry when I explain it like that, that it comes across as if it's being exploitative and it's really not. It's like, Like I said, everybody wins. You get people that are just stoked to be part of the production. They get to see a movie be shot. It's a fun story for them to tell people. And you get a location for uh, way easier than you would if you were shooting in, like, Manhattan. And, of course, we did not get permits for any of it because, I mean, come on. We're blocked (laughs) after. So (laughs) running and gunning was part of the name of the game with this movie, so... Did you guys have any uh, close calls while you were shooting on, like,
1: say, the streets of Manhattan? Not
2: really. Not really. Uh, People got annoyed. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's New York. It's what are you expecting? They they are annoyed that you occupy any aspect of their space. So, uh, yeah, it it, it, it was pretty smooth sailing. There's a
1: blooper at the end where... uh, Frankie Mermaid is <laughs> that's great. giving his uh, maniacal laughter and his his speech. And
2: somebody calls out the window and yells, shut the fuck up. Is that real? Does
1: that oh, really that's happen? very real.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, I, I believe, actually, that was the last take of it. Because we were kind of like, all right, it's time to... All right, people are getting getting touchy here and it's time to move on <laughs> there was also i remember when we shot that there was a school letting out right across the street of like third graders and uh <laughs> it, it was it was one of those things where you know to not rock the boat we were he was in the middle of doing his like listen if you were stuffing dicks in you met and then he said just suddenly like oh and and it's it's a very it's another very good take (laughs) but but yeah yeah that was manhattan that was one of the ones we did in, in the city
1: you can tell from beginning to end how dedicated everybody that you're working with is to this project and i feel like things like the blooper reel like really accentuate that and like having that interview at the end we really got to know what happened throughout the film and through the filming process for example frankie's dedication to shaving his head we were sitting there the whole time like is that a wig cap i'm like no looks too good i said at the
3: beginning cap. didn't i like that guy definitely shaved his head for this movie yeah there he, is no way that is a, like a wig that is no that's straight up shaved
2: he he in fact did it was him and our uh that was fernando's call the the actor who played um is uh fernando uh de castro and he he really came to me with a lot of that and was very much sort of like, he was so game to do anything he needed to to become this disgusting human being. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I, I remember being in the room with him when they started to shave it and being like you're you're sure right man and he was like oh hell yeah <laughs> like, this is what we're doing <laughs> like, uh film is forever brendan and i was like sure is man
3: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so go for it uh,
2: yeah he kills it in this movie i think that his performance is just incredible yes, Everybody- he's definitely
3: my second favorite character my favorite is your dad
2: Yes. <laughs> oh. I feel
3: like I feel God like, bless that man, holy one, shit he was like actually really, really good But I knew before watching it That it was your dad And I was like, oh, this is going to be funny But then when he was like actually a really good actor Especially in the flashbacks Where like he was still the same age yep. I loved it <laughs> So
0: much. oh my god
3: we put a wig on him he's
2: younger <laughs> but no yeah it's so funny i i just i i assumed he'd be bad you know like like he's my dad and so i was just kind of like there's always that one character in in movies like the ones we're lampooning where it's like that that's a producer or like that's somebody's kid and i wanted to replicate that and you know I'm the fool, turns out, because he's really good, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, he's he's one of my favorites as well. I, I think it's also I, I'm I'm biased because the war scene is my favorite scene. That's I, like
0: I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, in a movie uh, called Velocipaster, uh, you jam so much into it, and having something with nothing to do with the dinosaur at all be my favorite part of the movie is absolutely incredible that whole sequence is is absolute film gold so truly yeah. props to you for that it's perfect
2: thank you so much yeah it was just so funny like i, I just remember <laughs> thinking like It was like a weird callback to, like, when I was a kid in high school, my friends and I would make, like, war films in our backyard. And it's not even a genre I I have any particular affinity to. I I don't know why we did that. But, you know, we did it a lot. And in the war scene for Velocipaster, I was definitely channeling a lot of those vibes. I was kind of being like, let's just do this like we would have done it when we were kind of, like, 15. (laughs) Except give them like, actual uniforms and have them stand in obviously not Vietnam and we'll just be like, yeah, the, the wars, the worst, worst hell, man. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, there's something funny about it immediately when, when it's just like these, these, these losers standing in a field with fake guns. It's, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff that makes me laugh. And so I've seen this film a lot of times and uh, that is, Every screening, I I always make sure I'm at least there for that. I usually do watch the whole film again, but that that's like the one scene that I'm like, I I gotta see how they react to the war because that that is really if you when you know if they're in or not, uh, is that moment.
0: Yeah, it's really it builds like consistently up until that point, and that was where I was absolutely broken. I I turned to Anthony. I was like literally crying, and I was at that point all in for this and it was like it was checking all of my boxes it, of like <laughs> over, over the top bloody gore for no reason just like the that uh anachronicity of it mm-hmm. of where you said of just like guys standing in a field that it's very not vietnam i was yeah. in stitches I, i'm
3: crying now looking across about the it. field like that, that that's still making me like almost tear up crying <laughs> oh my god but my favorite weird little thing in
2: that is Father Stewart's writing the letter at the end and he writes, Dear Ollie's Mom and Dad, period, period, period. And there was something so funny to me about the idea that he would write down the periods like he's thinking. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, it's uh, oh my god. Yeah, I, I think that sequence is very funny. And I'm happy that generally that seems to be the consensus amongst people as well. Because it's just like, it's peak Velocipaster. So <laughs> if you don't like that sequence, there's probably just nothing in the movie for you, which is fine. It's not a movie for everybody. But yeah, it's definitely a movie in which if somebody watches it and just absolutely hates it, I, I do not take offense. Because it's just not a film for every audience member
1: one of my favorite things about things like the war scene is as absurd as this all sounds especially to people who are listening now who have not seen it yet it's scenes like that the little bits that you take and carry just so far that adds so much depth to your characters i feel like it speaks volumes about you as a writer like we're we're sitting down we know we're strapped in for velocipaster this is going to be a crazy you know b-movie type thing and yet we get rich characters like doug and everyone has enough depth that you can sit down you can care about them there is enough to really keep you invested more so than just being there for a good time
2: yeah Thank you, and I will say it was super important to me to do that. A lot of uh, you know films like this, I, I think carry a certain expectation with them, and that expectation is that it will, of course, be bad. And and I mean that in the sense that like yeah, you can enjoy bad movies, but the bad movies we genuinely enjoy again and again, they have something. Like there's something there that you are actually connecting to and actually engaging with. And the ones that I at least don't revisit. Are are the ones where it feels like nobody cared. Like you yeah. kind of get to the end of it and you're sort of like, yeah, it was it was, you know, silly and over the top or whatever, but nobody loved this. That's the only time I feel like those movies are wasting my time. And I was so scared when we were making Velocipaster that it would turn into one of those movies. That that people would get to the end and not talk about characters but they would talk about like you know wasn't it fun when the dinosaur did the thing it's like that that's all well and good but if they can't also be like it's really funny when Doug blank then your movie really didn't connect and so it, it's funny because I in some ways approached this like I did animosity it's like it starts from the characters and you got to make sure they have a solid bedrock especially um Doug and Carol's romance that was something that I, I my thought was that if you play at least those romantic interactions relatively straight and actually try and make them good, then there will be something for people to grab onto when the initial shock of like, this is so crazy wears off. Cause if they don't have that, they're just gonna get bored. Cause that's what happens to me in in like those other bad movies that are just kind of like, just not very good. I, I, I just tune out after a while and I didn't want that to happen.
1: I especially feel like with Doug and Carol, you tapped into two actors who are underutilized but so good, and you gave them a moment to really express themselves and to, from what I understand, let that chemistry flow organically between them, even just kind of adjusting the script to what came out naturally between them, and that really shows throughout the film. Like, you have those heartfelt moments in this ninja crime drama, (laughs) dinosaur-fueled action horror comedy so i mean yeah there's a lot of real substance to this for something that is to quote doza
2: has no right being as fun as it is (laughs) yeah thank you thank you well and the other thing is is if you're strapping in to make a feature that that's the next three years of your life I needed to have something there for me as well, where I was kind of like, there, there needs to be something that I, as a director, can engage in and can be like, I care about this. Like, I actually care because I didn't want it to just descend into sort of an ironic, like, man, screw these dumb movies. Right. It's like, no, I love these movies and, and I want to show you why. And it's because you'll watch some Australian film from the 70s that you've never heard of. But there might be like this one weird character moment that you're like, that's good. Like, like <laughs> it's like the, uh, you know, Street Fighter the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole for me, it was Tuesday <laughs> thing. That's good. <laughs> like oh, that's yeah. incredible it's, writing and it's like chilling. It, yeah and it, it it's like legitimately good writing and, and it's legitimately a very cool way to express this kind of abstract idea and yeah it's in the middle of this dog shit movie and that's <laughs> why you have to watch these because there are creative cool things happening and uh i wanted to replicate that i wanted there to be like things in it that people would be like that's actually pretty good and, and like I was also just afraid of coming across like an idiot. So (laughs) part of it is just egotism.
0: But yeah. Not for a moment does it read anything other than that. Like very, very clearly all the way through, this definitely reads as a passion project. And that is, I fully respect that. And that's the difference between like uh, a bad movie and a poorly made movie with no heart in it and i've seen so many poorly made movies and like it pains me to to call movies like this like like bad movies Mm -hmm. because they they have so much merit to them and like it it's cheesy it's campy but like that's where its worth is and people will say like oh it's an excellent bad movie but like no part of this is 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 bad like you you got to a whole crew full of people, a, a production staff that all, like, really genuinely care about this. And this is the kind of stuff that lasts, like, like you you said, like, lasts forever. Like, film is forever. And this is one of these that will, like, I'm going to watch this forever. I hope to show this to my kids one day. And, like, I yeah. have seen so many, like, genuinely bad movies. But this one I honestly very much will cherish.
2: Thank you so much. It's a good date movie. I'll say that. It's, Holy shit. It's- I want people to watch this with people. It doesn't have to be in a theater. It doesn't have to be like, um, I don't need you to watch this on the like the biggest TV or anything. You can watch it on your goddamn phone. I don't care. But <laughs> watch it with someone. Because it's like so much of the fun of the movie to me is watching people in an audience. It, it, it's a movie that, that makes you want to talk to the person next to you. Yes, where you absolutely. want to start being like, what what are they doing? And and like like if you don't have that experiential partner or partners, I I do think that the movie it, it's fun if you're alone, but it's so much better with people. And so it's one of those things that would have pretty consistently said to people is like I just want it to be something that brings people together. That that like you know get some buddies over, get some beers, uh, invite your Tinder date <laughs> to watch Velociraptor. <laughs> That'd Radio. be a
3: great test actually for a first date. If they don't enjoy it, then there's no point of seeing them again. Right, right. I, <laughs> I, I do that with,
2: um, there's this Japanese film called Haosu. Uh, which Haosu, has, yeah, dude! Yeah, <laughs> Come on, you think heart. we are. <laughs> exactly, and that is my litmus test for new romantic partners, no lie. I, I, I like, seriously, if, if I think it might be something, I sit them down and we watch Haosu, and how they react is something that I'm like, I you know, you you gauge you see you see what what what's happening there.
0: That's an excellent pick. Oh yeah. my god, I'm I'm excited for this. Like uh, the first thing I thought like coming out of this, like I tossed it up on my Instagram that we were watching it, and I, I was getting like a lot of hits. Like oh, this sounds interesting. Like what the fuck is this? And I just wanted to show people. I wanted to tell yeah. people about it. And now I'm like I'm genuinely looking forward to sitting down and being like guys, you won't believe this. Holy fuck. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, uh, drinking games get developed because of this. I That is—it's it's such an experience. It's more than just a movie, and that yeah. is mind-blowing to me. Like, you get so few of these.
2: It is to me, too, honestly. You know, I always knew that there was going to be some audience for this. Mm-hmm. I, I did not, in my wildest dreams, expect it to be ne- nearly as press-covered. Like, just because of the nature of the size of it. We made this for $35,000. And when it first came out, it was like, I think they were doing it for the ironic joke of it. I'm pretty certain. But when it first sort of hit around Easter, people kept comparing it to Avengers Endgame. And (laughs) my my thought the whole time was A, flattered. B, (laughs) their opening logo is literally 10 times our budget. Like, And it, it was one of those things, not even talking about their, their, their marketing budget or anything like that. Any given shot in Avengers is more than our budget. So like the idea that it was even being discussed in the same sentences, I was like, people really do not understand how DIY this production was. And that's great. I, I'm, I'm happy they're interacting with it that way. But it, it's been a seeing how much people love it has been a, a very rewarding and incredible feeling. It's been really cool. I want some fan fiction is what I want. I, we were talking I, about that. Yeah. 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 I, I want I want the Doug Frankie Mermaid slash fic that I am afraid to open, but I, mean, I want somebody
0: I can send me. you over what I got. <laughs> Do
2: it. Put <laughs> no, it <okay>. on AO3. <laughs> <laughs> that that's all I want. I want that and
0: a cosplay and
2: then I'll oh, know and a tattoo
0: Halloween's coming up, yo. I'll, I'm fucking down for a velociraptor tattoo.
3: We should do that. Who's gonna be the dinosaur?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I think
1: Brendan's brain about how this dinosaur costume was made since the trailer.
3: <laughs> yup, yep.
2: It is sure a nightmare to work. <laughs> and no, I love that thing. It's 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 awful being inside of it. But you just see it on camera, and you're like this is pure joy, <laughs> this stupid thing moving around. It's just so non-threatening. Like, there's something just friendly. It does look very happy. Yeah, it's just just—it's just sort of like, oh, hello.
3: Like, from the cover, then obviously it's like a proper, like, CGI, lost Veloc- like, Velociraptor, I was about to say Velociraptor. And so when he does actually transform into this, like, ridiculous, just generic dinosaur costume, that yeah. was the point. I was like, right, I love this.
2: It's not even a raptor.
3: It's like no, it,
2: it's, that's why I love. Yeah, it's it's just uh, not even a T. Rex. It's just a dinosaur, right? It's like a child's conception of what a dinosaur is, because it, it. I don't know. It, it's just very funny to me. I will say that we did not. Uh, we did not for a second in the actual film discuss doing a CGI dinosaur. Like that was my hard line in the sand. Is I didn't knew. I didn't know if we were going to use the old costume or not. But I I knew that you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a werewolf movie. And so if your werewolf sucks, your werewolf movie sucks. And there's nothing against, you know, people, CGI artists are incredibly talented, creative people. It's not that. But part of the appeal to me in movies like this is seeing the makeup and seeing seeing the dumb costume. And if it is just sort of like a, a bad CGI thing, I'm just a little less interested personally. So I yeah. was just kind of like, no way, we, we have to do a costume or at the very least a prop. um, Because having something that's not actually there and trying to, like, you know, go in later and rotoscope it. I just didn't have any interest in doing that. What's the point <laughs> at that point? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was definitely. Um...
3: practical effects are always better.
2: Yeah, yeah, they really are. And yeah, even if you have to, like, add CGI enhancements over it or whatever, at least you yes. have the information there at that point. I think the one CGI shot in the film is the uh, in the Vietnam sequence. <laughs> and, and what a what a shot it is. So uh, I, I'm very happy with our one moment of CGI. Uh, when that It came definitely back from, pays off. Yeah, It reads yeah. really well, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when it came back from the VFX artist, I, I was just dying so i was like yeah that that's it we we did well (laughs) i mean from the opening sequence
1: on you guys are upfront about what you're trying to tell your audience especially when it comes to the effects and the effects that you're going to choose to use and choose not to use no spoilers (laughs) opening sequence but there's something about having that practical effect that physical dinosaur that brings that much more validity to the world you're creating because now you have a physical component and we can sit there and believe that yeah, this is this is, this is a real dinosaur here, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and
2: uh, these people have to interact with it. They have no other yeah, yeah. choice. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it just felt right. Like and and so much of writing this project and figuring out exactly what was funny, like like a, a question I asked myself a lot when we were filming is is and I've said this before, but it's just how bad is just bad, you know. Like, how bad can you push it before the audience honestly just stops caring? A lot of that is just based on gut instinct and, and sort of what, what would you lose interest in if it started happening? And so for me, I was like, CGI monsters, I don't give a shit. Like, get that out of here. Yep. <laughs> um, and things like that, like like choosing your battles and, and very much declaring your intent, especially with a film like this, you're not going to make everybody happy. And if you tried to, you're just gonna shoot yourself in the foot it's just not a movie for everybody so you've just got to pick your audience and commit and and uh yeah i I, that was the purpose of of the uh let's say missing vfx (laughs) because i I thought i thought it was very a very elegant way at like second 80 to like tell people this is the movie And, and like this is what you're in for and if it, I mean, this is a film where I'm like, honestly, if you're not having fun by the end of the opening credits, you should probably leave. Uh, and, and that's totally OK. Uh, sorry, you wasted the rental, but it's not changing. <laughs> like you're not going to get to a point and be like, all right, now I'm in. It's, it's like, no, 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 just know, know what you like and and be willing to dodge out. I do that all the time with movies, so.
1: How many times would you say that you guys have screened this in a theater since it's released? Oh, boy. That's a good sign.
2: Yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have not been to, I want to say, I, I've been to like five or six theater screenings, maybe a little more. And and I haven't even been to like a third of where we've screened. It's just been, I, I mean, we screened in Brazil three times alone. And I've never been south of the equator, so it's like it's been quite a bit. Uh, There's, I mean, the reception's been completely overwhelming in in the best way possible. So, I just want to get it to Japan. I want I want to go oh, to Japan. Man. So, yeah, uh, good excuse
1: to go there. This is definitely going to be a hit. hit there.
2: I just just the kaiju market alone. I'm like, get it to Japan. <laughs> China would be a harder sell, but
1: <laughs> so you guys are. Touring and screening the film now. It's available on DVD, which you can get on Amazon. That's where I got mine. I uh, pre-sailed it, got it the day that they were released. Uh, what are some of the streaming platforms you guys are on right now?
2: Um, I know we're on Amazon, iTunes, Vudu, like Spectrum, like like that, the Comcast kind of stuff. I know we're on all of them. Um, and right now, it's it's um, rental or, or digital purchase. Th- that's by design. It's going to be doing that for a couple of months before it starts to go to um, subscription VOD. Things like, awesome. uh, th- you know, uh, streaming platforms where if you're subscribed, you can just watch it. But yeah, for right now, it- it's just out in those formats. And very soon we are getting a Blu-ray. So Amazing. Uh, yeah, the Blu-ray comes out um, sometime in September, sometime this month. It- it's funny, they actually, they ordered the Blu-rays most of the time when you're making a movie this low budget, they manufacture DVDs, but not Blu-rays because Blu-rays are bought by less people. And so usually the the thought is that if it does well enough on DVD, we'll give it a short Blu-ray run kind of thing. And so that was the initial working plan. And I think when it just like lit the internet aflame, they were all of a sudden like, <laughs> oh, we should get Blu-rays out. <laughs> so the Blu-ray, that's why the DVDs and Blu-ray releases a little staggered. But yeah, sure. um, I can tell you, it looks great on Blu-ray. Uh, Ooh, I just sense. got to take one, one up. Yeah, and, and there's another extra feature or something on there. I think it's another Q&A. But there was something else extra on the Blu-ray. It, it's, I, I am just happy to finally own a film I made on Blu-ray. So <laughs> uh, I, I am very excited about them. And, and uh, sorry, as a final important note, uh, the Blu-ray is region free. So if you do not live in North America,
3: <laughs> you can get the Blu-ray, and it'll play just fine. That's good, because that's the thing that I struggle with a lot with American yeah. films, is they're not released over here. So I end up buying region ones, and I don't have a region Free player, so I just yeah, keep yeah. them as ornaments. Um, so <laughs> yes. that's good that I will have something that I can actually play.
2: Yeah, I do the same thing with PAL releases. I, I got like four or five DVDs and Blu-rays that I bought when I lived in Europe and now I'm just sort of like now they're just pretty because yeah. I, I can't play them. So, yeah, we we've gotten an amazing response from Europe. So, I'm I'm I want to broadcast that the Blu-ray can be played anywhere. But the DVD is just region 1, so, you know. Choose your <laughs> choose your poison.
1: And the Velocipastor is being distributed through Wild Eye Media, correct? Uh yes, correct. Is this Wild Eye specific or was this your Planning for them to do the limited VHS copies.
2: They surprised me with that. Oh and damn. I was so elated. I I like from when we were even shooting it, my cinematographer Jesse and I were joking about how like really the intended format is VHS. And so, <laughs> you know, we had said that to WildEye in our first discussions and joking and and they took it to heart and they manufactured a a short run of them yeah i own one a dinosaur green one and i i will never give it up (laughs) and i don't even have a vhs player right now but as soon as i get my hands on another vhs player it's the first thing I'm watching. I just want to see if they, like, letter, like, if, if it's, like, full frame. Because if it's in, like, four by three, oh I'm so excited. Like, I don't know. But, yeah, they that was their idea. That was entirely them.
1: That's amazing. I, like, screamed a little bit when I saw that. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Because right. um, you don't see that anymore. Everybody does, like, VHS box art. And, you know, here's a limited, like, we'll put a VHS logo on a DVD or a Blu-ray. But to have this brand new film. That has had all of this love and intention into creating the aesthetic of something that rightfully should be played on VHS. To yeah. see that physically in your hands as a VHS, that's amazing.
2: It's it's honestly kind of magical. I, 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 the the two moments of feeling the proudest I had with this movie it was the first time I held the Blu-ray and the first time I held the VHS. And the, <laughs> fuck the DVD. No, no, the DVD is <laughs> amazing and I love it, but it, it's. It definitely, I don't know, there was something about it that really drove it all home to me. And, and I think that certain films, that is my preferred format. Like, what the hell is the point of watching the original Blair Witch Project on Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you want to? Like, I have my VHS of that movie. And until it breaks, it's like, that is the best way to see it. Like, it, it, it improves the film. And uh, the same way that, like, I wouldn't want to watch, I don't know, Scott Pilgrim versus the world on VHS. That's a Blu-ray movie to me because it's just like colors, colors, colors. Mm-hmm. And and it's like the sharpness is, becomes part of the meta story of it. I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of weird opinions about formats. The, the script I'm writing right now I don't know if I'll get to make it next or not, but I really want to shoot a whole film on mini-DV or VHS format. There's something just so violent about it, and something just kind of like, it looks gross. It looks like (laughs) pornography, or a snuff film, or like a home movie. Yeah, like you're not supposed to be... Watching it almost right right there's something that that's like lurid about it and yeah. and, and I love that I'm just like yeah yeah <laughs> stuff your 6k <laughs> give me this <laughs> give me this format and and let's see what we can do with it I know that's not very marketable so it might not be what I make next but I definitely want to at some point do something like that. I mean the fact that you take
1: the painstaking effort to sit down and figure out what belongs in that format and what would make that format worthwhile to watch would make the project all in its own worthwhile.
2: So I don't doubt that it's going to be fantastic when it does happen. Thank you. Thank you. It I can tell you that as of right now it takes place in Montana in 2005. So I've been listening to a lot of a lot of new metal and watching anime from around that time period, and it has been such a dark hole <laughs> and, and, and i I just love the research I've been doing for it. so it, it that that time period in that place, when I think of those memories, I think of mini d v and so to me, I'm like it has to be in that. And maybe I'm wrong who who the hell knows?
1: For most of us, that's the first thing that we shot on. Making right. our home videos, running gunning at you know twelve and thirteen years old, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and there,
2: there's magic to that. I, I don't know. I, I feel like at the very least, I, I have never been one to uh, chase resolution or anything. Like that just doesn't make sense to do to me. Why? Why would I need? You know, unless I'm shooting gravity, and that's the entire point of it. I, I don't understand why you need more than you know 2.5k to be honest with you like why <laughs> what are you gonna do with it are you really so insecure in your image that you're worried that you're gonna have to blow it up 70 like 700 percent to get the frame you want like I, I don't know i don't know i i am in the minority opinion on this but that's how i feel so yeah we gotta be just for you <laughs>
1: So you get fully immersed when you're writing. What's some of the music that you listen to and stuff that you were watching while you were getting in the headspace to write The Laws of Pastor? Also, side note, the soundtrack to this movie is dope. It's really killer. If I can get the, uh, a vinyl pressing, give me. Uh, oh. I'll tell you right now, opening song, free
2: parking, Brendan's band, check him out. Thank you. Thank you. That was a backup song because <laughs> I was worried we <laughs> wouldn't get the rights to the opening credits theme. And I was sure right. So, but yeah, no, thank you. That That is us. So the two other songs, three other songs that appear in the movie, I was listening to a lot when I was writing it. I really wanted to capture, I feel like I'm talking about anime a lot in this. Uh, there's this <laughs> anime called Fooly Cooly. Like, FLC. the best anime that has ever been made. It's incredible. It's it's astonishing, and it was made in like 2002 or 2003, and yep. it still feels so vital and alive and just like full of energy and thoughts. And I wanted to capture that energy. So, you know, very famously for people who haven't seen it, uh, *Fully Coolie is scored entirely by one Japanese alt rock punk band uh, called The Pillows, and the soundtrack is one of the things you remember even more than the show. And so I wanted to replicate that. At first, I thought that maybe we'd just do one band. But after a while, I, I was like, just just that that sort of punk rock aesthetic, I thought would would mm. marry itself very well to how low budget the film was and give it that shot of adrenaline and energy. Like, like punk music is music that wears its low credentials on its <laughs> sleeve. <laughs> and I was like, the movie's gonna do the same thing. It's gonna have to stand here and be like, this is what we made, like, do you like it or not? And I wanted to bring that ethos to it. So I was listening to a lot of, um, you know, bands that appear in the final film, things like The Holy Mess, uh, Math The Band. I was listening to a lot of Misfits, <laughs> like, like like, that, that feel, uh, kind of grungy, kind of fast, kind of sloppy, mm-hmm. a- and that was what I was listening to a lot. I will say that I don't usually write to music. I usually will, I'll make myself a very extensive playlist and um, listen to it for an hour or so. And then I'll write for an hour or so. And then usually I'll take a break and go walk around the block or something and listen to it again. So it's sort of like in your consciousness, but you don't run into that danger of of sitting at your keyboard and starting to type lyrics or something, <laughs> yes. which, which is just something I tend to do.
0: It's so. like a primer before you paint. Just exactly. a little something to get an step.
2: <laughs> uh, that's a great way to say it. Honestly, in some ways, I, I, I know that actors will do the same thing before a really emotional scene or something. They have like yeah. the touchstone songs that they'll go to that either mean something to them personally or they connect with for whatever reason. And I, I think as a writer, you just kind of got to do the same thing. You're sort of the first actor. Where you are sitting there and asking yourself those questions of like, how would I react? How would he react? How would she react? What is the scene? And like, you know, it, it's getting yourself in that headspace is important. There's definitely been some darker scripts that I've written that like they ruin your month. <laughs> like like you're just <laughs> you're just in a bad mood all month because you're you're constantly listening to this, you know, really um aggressive or dark music and and you're just sort of existing in that headspace and it's not healthy but that's why you do it for little little bits (laughs) and (laughs) and occasionally you write (laughs) velocipaster so i
1: mean even by contrast animosity has a much heavier tone to it than um, velocipaster i can only imagine you know the thought process and creating some of the real terrors that take place during
2: that it was uh it was not fun (laughs) And I I, I will say that part of the reason I wanted to make Velocipastor after Animosity was just after having seen Animosity again and again and again on the festival circuit, I like that movie, I am proud of that movie, but it is not a movie that you want to watch again and again. And I will tell you that it and Velocipastor make a very bad double feature don't do it (laughs) (laughs) it's just you you're you're robbing both films (laughs) of what's good about them but yeah it's a that's the music a lot of the music is was sort of me honestly a lot of what I put in there was what I was listening to so you have a pretty good idea of where musically my head was at
1: You've got an awesome crew for Velocipastor, and if I'm not mistaken, a lot of them worked on animosity with you as well, correct? Uh, Most of them. Most of the important, like, command ones, yes. And you've got, you know, Jesse and Alec were both involved in the original Velocipastor trailer, so you've got a really awesome, loyal, you know, team that you're working with. What are some of your biggest triumphs in doing this together from trailer to feature?
2: Interesting question. I think, honestly, the biggest triumph, and this will sound cliche, but I mean it, is that everybody that was on the crew really did feel like a a family by the end. It's sort of like, we didn't have a big crew. And we were fortunate enough that everybody that was on the film wanted to be there. and, And, like, really got the material. Even when I was like, you know... Trying to hire a gaffer and stuff. Uh, my my thought was like, even if they're not directly creatively interfacing with what you're going to see, they need to be on board because the atmosphere on the set is going to translate to the movie. And so it, it was sort of coming together as these fire forged friends and and just falling in love with this material and and the world. I I think was the biggest coup. It, it, it just really everybody came together in a way that I was very proud of and happy about. I still talk to all of them all the time. <laughs> like <laughs> like it it feels like it really does feel like a weird family dynamic for something that we all only spent, I don't know, fifteen days working on really. So it's it's pretty incredible how strong I think that we all bonded. And yeah, I, I think just being open to letting people be creative. Like in the scene where, um, in the scene that's in the trailer, the I think God wants a lot of people dead scene, Jesse and our gaffer Kurt, they really wanted to do a stained <laughs> glass gel. Like they wanted to cut up all the gels and like make a stained mm-hmm. glass window out of it by taping it or something. And I was just sort of like, yeah, sure, whatever guys, go for it. <laughs> and it looks great. And it's like sort of letting <laughs> people do things like that is so much of keeping the morale up and, and and sort of having them feel engaged and having them feel ownership over it, because then they will take it more seriously. It, it's, it's another thing where it's like everybody wins. If your crew is on your side, everything goes better. And so I, I've never really understood directors that have that kind of Hitchcockian attitude of, I I am dictator and you listen to what I say always. It's like, no, yeah, at the end of the day, you're dictator, but you can be a benevolent dictator and you can be a dictator <laughs> that listens to what people want to do. And if they have a better idea than you, you can be like, cool, we're doing that. Good thinking. <laughs> and uh, I feel like people just brought things like that every day to Velocipaster. It was pretty incredible, especially considering how many of them were non-professionals, the actors at least.
1: <laughs> the crew is professional
2: yeah, we could definitely see okay. a
1: lot of that especially um, <laughs> you know the, certain moments where you could tell like you just kind of let jesse run free with the best way to shoot this in his mind's eye because like it's these different and innovative shots that like you know from a writing standpoint you don't maybe see it in your head that way but translating it from script to screen just having somebody who does have that mind's eye yeah brings a whole new
2: image to to what you're creating Right. Well, and there's gold in there. It's like with with Jesse in particular, he was camera operating as well. And at the end of every scene, he would try and like find something to focus on. And it just turned into like these meandering pans places. And it's like, yeah, you cut out most of them. But if you have in like two or three, it's funny because you can like see what's happening. You can see the DP being like, um and like looking <laughs> for something to look at and it's just so good like I, I don't know it's things like that I never would have thought of sitting there writing it and it's like it's when you're on set you have to be open to that kind of stuff like what is funny what, what is it making the crew laugh and you know that's not always the 100 accurate litmus test there are plenty of things that are funny on set that are not funny when you watch them back but it's it's not a Bad litmus test. <laughs> if if you end every shot and no one's laughing, that's a bad sign. So it's it's worth something. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm I love my my velocipaster bros. They're
0: the best. How about Do you guys have any questions? I, I have just like one quick question that's been fucking eating me away. What came first, the idea or the name? The name.
2: The name <laughs> came from and this is true, an auto-corrected text message. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like 2011, and I was texting my friend about dinosaurs. As one does. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, my phone auto-corrected it to Veloci-Space-Pastor. And like, you know, Grindhouse had just come out, and I was kind of like, sounds like a fucking movie. <laughs> and that was what led to the original trailer. It was really that. One of the most rewarding things from all the feedback Velocipaster's gotten is when we've gone to the cons, because there's so many, I I just love these movies. So meeting so many people that also not only enjoy the work that I've done, but uh, also enjoy these films is so rewarding. It's such a cool part of it. I got an email a week or two ago that I have to respond to from some dude who (laughs) saw it at uh, Texas, which was in May, and, and he was just asking for movie recommendations. Uh, I, I got to get back to him because uh, he was a cool guy. He was the projectionist, actually.
1: On the note of recommendations, we do recommendations here on our podcast. We want people to see films that we think may have gone under the radar, things that we think they should check out. Do you have a recommendation or any recommendations that uh, you think people should check out apart from Velocipaster?
2: Yeah, I do, actually. I have two contemporary one and a weird one for the contemporary one i've been watching the new dark crystal on netflix yeah yes! incredible like i i just adore it um i'm about halfway through and i just i saw dark crystal for the first time last week i had never seen the film and i loved it i i wasn't expecting to i i i sort of knew it as like oh right that kind of weird creepy kids movie and it's just one of the most endlessly imaginative and like just really magical movies I've it's ever seen. It. And it's equally, if not more astounding to me that the Netflix one holds up and actually feels like a part of the story. And I'm just yeah, I'm loving that.
1: So grateful watching that world expand and seeing all the new creatures and I wow. just went to the bit where like, she got to check out 70 of the new creatures or whatever.
3: Yeah, they had the full sets there and uh, walked around and saw all the puppets, um, which is crazy because Dark Crystal's been one of my favorite films since I was got about six. Yeah, uh, yeah. Me and my brothers watched it every week. Uh, that and Labyrinth and Never Ending Story. We had a marathon every week with those <laughs> three yeah. films. So I was terrified when Netflix said that they were going to do it because I was like, you can't beat that magic. And then. I'm I'm just amazed that they've yeah. done such an incredible job with it. And,
2: and ma- making it even more bizarre to me is um you know I didn't have the nostalgic connection to it but I knew it was a really important series to a lot of people a really important film to a lot of people. And they Louis Leterrier is the guy who's directing it. And I was just like, oh, okay, that's an odd choice. And he kills it. He's incredible. Yeah. It's... I wasn't
1: expecting that from like his previous films. like yeah. But they're all so different from each other, so why not?
2: Yeah, exactly. And so I've just been loving that and, and just totally in for that. The other one I saw recently, and this is maybe, maybe a little more on brand. There's this Japanese film series called Female Prisoner 701 Scorpion. And it's it's a women in prison film and they're tracking Meiko Kaji as this juvenile well well, just grown woman delinquent, and they rule. I've I'm halfway through the series right now. There's four films. And the first two films just totally blew my mind. They're they're just endlessly creative and just they're trying so many new things. And I feel like Japanese exploitation films of that period really did that. They really swung for the fences and, and were hell-bent on entertaining you and just being creative. And it's something that a lot of the more modern pinku films, I think, don't have. It's sort of like, I don't really know what happened over there. But but <laughs> in the 60s to like the early 80s, Japanese exploitation film is unparalleled for me. So I, I've been watching those, and they're just... It, it, I don't love the women in prison subgenre, but these films were the first ones where I'm like, it's giving me all these things that are expected of that subgenre, but also so much more. So, uh, the first film, like I said, was Female Prisoner 701 Scorpion, and it's on Shutter, and I love it. it. There's, you know, there's a lot of nudity, there's a lot of sex, and and all of that kind of stuff, because it's
3: an exploitation exploitation film yeah
2: and I recommend it highly can't wait to watch three and four and I hope it holds up the whole time that's awesome yeah that's what I've been doing (laughs) (laughs) Anna do you want to hit your recommendation next
3: yeah I'm going to change my recommendation I always forget to get a recommendation so at the beginning of recording every week now Anthony asks if I have a recommendation and my answer is always fuck shit I'll, I'll look one up now
1: I only ask you because Doza usually asks me Doza comes in prepared uh,
0: and it's a chain reaction. I, react I don't care about this fucking podcast. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you guys.
3: <laughs> so I always make mine relevant to the topic. So um, I'm trying to go along the lines of ridiculous, amazing B movies. I'm gonna go with Poultrygeist on this one. Yeah. Um, because Troma is life, as I always say. And Uncle Lloyd Kaufman is one of my favorite people in the world. And I also told him to listen to this episode, so he better do that because now I'm plugging him. Poultrygeist is just a ridiculous film, and it sounds as ridiculous as its title, which is why it's relevant, and I don't even know how to describe this without saying, obviously, it's like a poltergeist chicken that just terrorizes everything, and it's ridiculous, it's hilarious, it's amazing.
1: So, it has become a Thanksgiving staple. Yeah. Prime time to watch Poultry Geist.
2: I can only hope the same happens for us in Easter. It, that that's mm-hmm. my that's my swing is I'm watch velocipaster on easter that that's <laughs> when you should experience it but i love guys. that's a great choice
0: i had a couple i was always like a dinosaur kid growing up which means i'm a sad lonely adult now <laughs> <laughs> these are two movies that like i watched growing up and nobody ever talks about because they're bad um from 1953 is the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms i love giant monster movies it's like the typical story of like whoops we found something in the ice and we thought it out and now it's fucking up new york city it's a a big lizard dinosaur that was like one of the ones that like jump-started my interest in like giant monster movies but i don't know if you guys have seen uh my other recommendation is carnosaur Um, i've never even heard of that one so of the two dinosaur centric movies that came out in 1993 this one didn't have the benefit of being directed by steven spielberg (laughs) so (laughs) But it's, it's great. It's a, a, about a vengeful scientist who is just like, you know what, humanity fucking sucks. We're going to make a bunch of giant genetically engineered dinosaurs uh, and we're going to just use them to wipe out humanity. All the effects are done practically. It's what I think Jurassic Park should have been with regard to the level of gore and effect. Uh, although Jurassic Park holds up even to this day, <laughs> um, the effects department. But like it's much more gory, much more visceral, which I really appreciate. But they made fucking two sequels and two spin spin-offs. And Roger Ebert hates all of them, but he can fucking suck my dick. These movies are great. <laughs> so that's Carnosaur, Carnosaur 2, and Carnosaur 3, Return to the Wild or some shit.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I hope that it is, in fact, Return to the Wild or some shit. Like, <laughs>
0: well, maybe. like you've, they, made it, they, you've made
2: it to the third Carnosaur film. What do you expect? <laughs> like, it's I'd love that if that yeah. was the subtitle.
0: At that point, they're honestly like, they start leaning into this skid and they're like, okay, maybe our movies haven't been that great. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's much campier than the first couple. Yeah, honestly. So that's that's Carnosaur and Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. I'm going to keep my recommendation real short, sweet, and to the
1: point here... Oh, because I talked for 20 minutes? No, because <laughs> I just think everybody should go and watch Animosity next. I oh, mean, fuck you, you know, man.
0: I was going to... Fine, whatever. But very different. Two
1: very different... <laughs> And the spectrum. Yeah, people should check it out. It is also available on DVD. Do we have also? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to try and get you guys together to watch it, but we never got
0: a chance to. In a couple weeks, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'll be back soon. Back
2: here in three weeks. I will also say, just because I've never gotten a chance to actually mention this, and somebody pointed it out on Twitter recently, because people have asked me a lot, like, what movies sort of inspired Velocipaster? And of course, there's a billion. It's a very movie minded movie so (laughs) i forget a lot and there's a huge puzzle piece that i keep forgetting to bring up and so i will use my final i'll be greedy and use my third recommendation here uh, which is um it's the show it's a british show called (laughs) garth Marenghi's dark place i love
3: that show i do too it's
2: incredible it's the most
3: ridiculous like dry dark humor and a lot of people don't really get it uh, even here, but it's, yeah, 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 it's a staple. It's,
2: I I adore Richard Iwate, and I think it's maybe oh. maybe his best work, and it's yeah. just so and funny. It's before
3: anyone knew who he was, as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, and now yeah. he's in. It. And it's like I I like I said I just I always forget it, and it was like formative for Velocipastor. Like in many ways, it's sort of the blueprint for what I wanted to do, and. I, if you like Velocipastor and you have not seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, like, do yourself a favor. You will love it. And I, I guarantee that. Uh, so that was it. That was my recommendation. That's all I wanted
0: to get Holy out. Shit. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. no idea about this. Yeah. Oh, I think I have it's on YouTube, it to you too. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And I, find th- it. I think it's on, like, actually, I don't know if Amazon has UK and uh, American versions because Netflix does. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's definitely on my Prime, so hopefully it's on Prime when I get over there. Yeah. And we'll, we'll all watch that one day. But now that you've mentioned it, I completely can't, I can't not see it now right. being an influence completely. <laughs> right?
2: It's like, like I said, it's one of those things. I usually cite Black Dynamite, which is another thing I absolutely <laughs> adore. In some ways, I think Merengue is even more so. Uh, and and I, I think that regardless, they are both just incredible works of of just insanity and, and humor. They're they're so goddamn funny. So, like, it, it's worth it. Go watch Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Can't wait. So one final thing before we wrap
0: up.
1: We do a fear of the day. I'm going to give you guys a fear. Everybody takes a stab at figuring out what that fear is of. I get really close and then I never can't quite, quite hit the, the landing. Mark. Except for a dogs episode, I think you got that one. Hell yeah. The fear of the day is siderophobia. Brendan, do you want to take the first stab?
2: Siderophobia. I'm going to say it has something to do with water. I, like it's a fear of drowning or something. I don't think that's exactly it, but I think yep. there's water involved.
1: Not a water fear. Damn. Anna, you want to take another guess?
3: Is it something to do with religion?
1: It could vaguely.
3: Oh wait, that was my stab already, wasn't it?
1: No, but if you got
3: one, If you got go some More. Um, We we make the rules.
1: It's our podcast. (laughs) You have to remind
0: us of that every time.
3: Fear of churches.
0: No. Saderophobia with a C or an S. With an S. Oh, then I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the fear of drowning in communion wine. No. Fuck me. I don't know. It's the fear of stars. Interesting. Like in the sky.
1: Yeah. Religion stemming from the cosmos. Right. That's my real face. That's was,
3: that was a little far-fetched there, babe.
1: But more on my end, if you're a dinosaur, you're going to have real siderophobia If you've been hit by the first meteor, you're going to be worried about another.
0: It's true. You're getting these a little are... fast than these, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I work with what I got.
0: An entire encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of all fears. And you're Some like,
1: of them are just so, like, to the point. Like, I could have given you guys, like, meteorophobia. Fear of the weather. No, fear of meteors. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Anthony, take us out of here. This is a fucking nightmare. All right. Another huge thank you to Brendan Steer for joining us. Yeah, honestly. Check out The Velocipastor. Check it out on Easter. Check it out on Demand. Check it out on Amazon. Check Check it it out out on 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 your Tinder dates. Check it out on your Tinder dates (laughs) at your next movie night. There's no bad time to watch The Velocipastor. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm
0: Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm
2: Anna. I'm Brendan.
0: Happy hauntings. See you in hell. That's it.